Thank you, Pastor Laura, for reading and leading us in the Lord's Prayer. I appreciate that. We're going to um, spend some time this morning in the in the Bible, as we customarily do on a Sunday morning, and we're going to spend some time in the book of Second John. We started off there last week in Second John, so if you kind of go to the book of Revelation, you kind of take a left, go a few pages, you'll get to the book of Second John. If you're following along on the website, there's a translation option there for you that you can look at. I really, really, really encourage you to be following along with us as we cruise through this uh, very, very short letter last week, this week, and next week. And uh, uh, join me in a word of prayer, would you? Father, we thank you for the opportunity to be in your word. We pray that we would be diligent to listen, diligent to take it in, and diligent to allow the word to transform us that we might look more like Jesus at the end of our time together today than we do at the beginning. We pray this in his name, Jesus, the name above all names. Amen. I can remember back in high school uh, biology, which was just a couple of years ago for me, uh, we had uh, came to the inevitable section where you dissect some poor creature who did nothing wrong, but nonetheless is in front of you for dissecting. And I can remember vividly the, to this day the, the smell of the formaldehyde and the, and the trying to slice it through and try to distinguish body parts. And, you know, in a high school biology class, eventually all those little body parts end up everywhere and places they shouldn't end up probably. And uh, dissecting is important, right, in the science arena because if you t in order to understand how something works, you have to kind of take it apart. Our oldest granddaughter is going off to medical school in the fall at uh, Oklahoma State University Medical School. And uh, medical students, uh, for their first year, they have uh, human cadavers. Yes, human cadavers. And they spent 160 hours of what they call gross anatomy. Now, I'm not sure if gross is because the process is gross or because it's a large-scale anatomy. But what are they doing? They're taking things apart so they can understand how they work together in order to be more effective in their healing uh, ministry as they graduate from medical school. So last time when we were together in this way, we talked in general terms about how truth and love together provide the cover or if you will, the framework for the Christian life. Remember, we said not a balance between the two, but a radical emphasis on both truth and love. And so this time and next time, we're going to dissect this idea a little bit. And we're going to dissect these two things, truth and love. Uh, this time, we're going to dissect love, Christian love, and see what it looks like. And next time, we're going to dissect truth as the Bible understands it and as we're to understand it as Christians. What we're going to try and get at today is the, the way that the testimony of a Christian can be so powerful that the life of a Christian who obeys God by loving his or her brothers and sisters in Christ can do incredible things to communicate the gospel to others, yes, but to do the, to the job of the fellowship, which is to strengthen one another as we cruise together through this thing we call life. So again, Second John, I'm just going to read verses 4, 5, and 6 in this very short letter. Again, if you're looking on the website, there's a Bible translation next to the picture that you're seeing, and I encourage you to follow along just through these three short verses. So here it is, 2 John, verse 4. It has given me great joy to find some of your children walking in the truth just as the Father commanded us. And now, dear lady, I am not writing you a new command, but one we have had from the beginning. I ask that we love one another. 
And this is love, that we walk in obedience to his commands. As you have heard from the beginning, his command is that you walk in love. So again, last time we saw kind of the overarching relationship between truth and love. And this time and next, we're going to focus on specifics. And this time we hear that there is yet another call, verse 5, to love one another. And John says in verse 5, this isn't a new thing. We heard Pastor Laura read us from the gospel, read to us from the gospel of John chapter 15. Jesus said this so many times that we love one another, but it bears repetition, right? It's like that hymn, uh, I love to tell the story. If you've sung that hymn, you know it's, it's a resounding emphasis on repeating the idea that God has loved us in Christ and we are called to love one another. And this notion of love, this very specific kind of Bible kind of love, this is the basis of Christian living to which all of us as believers are called to be focused upon. This love is foundational to the Christian experience. And after appealing to that foundation of, of faith and love, John adds his personal appeal, right? John says before, you, you've heard this before from Jesus, but, but, but now verse 5, the second part of verse 5, I ask you to love one another. And that's his kind of general appeal. Love one another. And that thing in verse 5 that says love one another is parallel to what occurs in verse 6, that we should walk in love. And I love that phrase. Walking in love means that love is an active, ongoing, energetic um, thing of movement. It's not static. And of course, we know that when the Bible uses this word for love, it means this deeply, personally invested kind of looking out for the other person kind of love. Back when uh, Steve Hott was twisting and shouting back in the old, old, old days, uh, he likely heard the song, uh, and according to the Beatles, right, all you need is love. But for Christians, it's important for us to identify what we mean when we say love. So in verse 6, John defines it for us. We remember, first, of course, this precedent action, this preceding action that we love because he first loved us. John says that in his first short letter. And in verse 6, John says here that walking in obedience to his commands, to God's commands, is what constitutes love. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is frequently quoted at weddings. Love is patient, love is kind, love bears no record of wrongs. And, you know, it's great. But when Paul penned that letter so long ago, he wasn't really writing it as a wedding ceremony script. It's okay at weddings, and that framework of love is, of course, important as somebody launches a, a marriage. But in 1 Corinthians 13, and here John is underscoring it as well, love is the operating system for the body of Christ, right? If you have a computer, and most of you do, because you're watching us now, if you have a computer, you realize that your computer relies on an operating system. And that operating system is active, it's moving, it's the background, it's the thing that makes everything else work. Love is the believer's operating system. That's what Paul gets at in 1 Corinthians 13, and that's what John is underscoring here. Now, how do we understand this love in action, this thing? If, if we're going to walk in love, what does that look like exactly? Well, I don't know if you're aware of this or not, 
But in the New Testament, there are dozens of what I call biblical one another's. That is admonitions for how we should respond to, react to, and treat each other. And I'm going to share these with you in a minute. And there's 41 of them, so you're going to need to keep up. They are all based on this one word that occurs in the original language of the New Testament, the Greek of the New Testament. The word is alelon. And unlike what it sounds like, it doesn't mean all alone. It means one another or together with each other. And when we hear these one another's in the Bible, we have to realize that the verbs that accompany these one another's, they are all imperatives. Now, if you remember back to your high school English days, you remember, right, that an imperative is a command. It's not an optional choice. It's, 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 a, it's, a, it's marching orders from the king, the King Jesus. So I'm going to zip through these. I don't expect that you're going to get all of them because tomorrow when you get the Bible study email, they're all going to be listed there. And there's a very, uh, what I think is a very neat graphic that kind of explains their relationship to each other. But strap in while I read these one another's to you. Mark chapter 9, verse 50, be at peace with each other. John chapter 13, verse 14, wash one another's feet. <laughs> yeah. John chapter 13, verse 34, love one another. And there's 12 other references that say exactly the same thing, love one another. Romans chapter 12, verse 10, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Romans chapter 12, 10, again, honor one another above yourselves. Romans chapter 12, verse 10, live in harmony with one another. Romans 14, 13, stop passing judgment on one another. Romans 15, 14, instruct one another. Accept one another as Christ accepted you, Romans 15, 17. Greet one another with a holy kiss, Romans 16, 16, and other places. Except when there's a COVID pandemic. When you come together to eat, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 33, wait for each other. Don't Beat your way to the beginning of the line. Have equal concern for each other, 1 Corinthians 12. Serve one another in love, Galatians 5. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, you will be destroyed by each other, Galatians 5. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other, Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 6, carry each other's burdens. Be patient, bearing with one another in love, Ephesians chapter 4. Forgiving each other as God in Christ has forgiven you, Ephesians chapter 4. Speak to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, Ephesians chapter 5. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, Ephesians chapter 5. In humility, consider others better than yourselves, Philippians chapter 2. Do not lie to each other, Colossians chapter 3. Bear with each other, Colossians chapter 3. Forgive whatever grievances you have against one another, Colossians chapter 3. Teach one another, Colossians chapter 3. Admonish one another, Colossians chapter 3. Make your love increase and overflow for each other, 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. Encourage one another, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Build each other up, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Encourage one another daily, Hebrews chapter 3. Spur one another on to love and good deeds, Hebrews chapter 10. Do not slander one another, James chapter 4. Don't grumble against each other, James chapter 5. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed, James chapter 5. Love one another deeply from the heart, 1 Peter chapter 1. Live in harmony with each other, 1 Peter chapter 3. 
offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. First Peter chapter 4. Each one should use whatever gift he or she has received to serve others. First Peter chapter 4. Clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. First Peter chapter 5. Greet one another with a kiss of love. First Peter chapter 5. But again, not during the COVID-19 pandemic. Out of all that list, out of that list of 41, which I know I read at high speed, I was not expecting you to keep up with me. You can look at it later, tomorrow when you get the Bible study email, but I'm gonna focus on just one of them. The one that came out of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 18. In fact, Paul repeats it in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11. Three simple words with so much potential. Here they are, encourage one another encourage one another. The writer of Hebrews in chapter 3 says we should do this regular with regularity because he says encourage one another daily. 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 Encourage one another. I I don't know how much we get the power of encouragement. I have, you know, in my couple, three years as a pastor, I've dealt with lots of folks who, when we talk together and we wind our way back to what set up the framework for how they live their lives, it's really, really clear that early on they did not get the encouragement that they needed. Nobody said, hey, that was good. Nobody said, I'm proud of you. They brought the report cards home and, you know, they had four A's and one B plus and the parent focused on the B plus and said, what, you couldn't get an A there too? Encourage one another. One of Steve Hott's high school buddies, Will Rogers, once wrote this. I love picking on Steve. I'm just getting back in the rhythm of it because we're going to be back in in in-person worship in the not too distant future. And so I, I, I want him to be acclimated to it. But one of his high school buddies, Will Rogers, once wrote this. We cannot all be heroes. Some of us have to sit on the curb and clap while the real heroes pass by. Listen, I know that during this COVID-19 pandemic, we have understood essential in a very, very different kind of way. And we have applauded those people as heroes who went to work every day in law enforcement and healthcare and in the grocery store. And rightly, rightly so. We've called those people heroes for standing tall in a very tough moment. But listen, I disagree with Will Rogers. I think that if you encourage somebody on a regular basis, you too can be a hero. So the thing about this is, that it's really easy to talk about it in the abstract, right? I went really quickly through that list of 41 one another's uh, a few moments ago. And it's really easy to hear those things and go, yeah, yeah, that that makes sense. Yeah, sure. Yeah, love one another, bear with each other. Yeah, honor one another. Yeah, I get that. But we have to take this idea. And again, this morning, we picked out encourage one another. We have to Take this idea and and make it an action point. An action point, right? Remember, walk in love. It's an action verb. And so here's what I'm going to suggest to us for the action point this morning. How about this? How about if each of us were to think about one person, one person, 
to whom and for whom we can give regular, genuine, specific encouragement. Think about this. Think about the potential impact if all of us took this on on a daily basis to encourage just one person. Think of the multiplied encouragement effect that we'd all experience. If those people around you, they didn't duck and run when they saw you coming. No, they, they, their eyes lit up when they see you coming because they know that no matter what else is going on in their lives, they're going to hear from you and from me a word of encouragement. Why is this so important? Of course, it's important for the well-being of the individuals that we encourage and love. It's important for the overall health of the body of Christ as we become known as a place of active encouragement. But look what happens in verse 4. What's the result of this walk in obedience to the call to love and encourage? John says it gives him great joy. It's the joy that comes from the way obedience shapes those believers to whom he wrote this letter and can shape our conduct, right? This, this, this process of walking in love, of, of encouraging each other, it, it can give great joy, not just to the individual people, not just within the fellowship, but it overflows. I think I've probably talked before about uh, aiming to make Jesus smile as a goal that we should have together as individual believers, but also as a goal that we should have together as the church of Jesus. Man, wouldn't it be great if at the end of each and every day that the sum total of our actions personally and the sum total of our actions together made Jesus smile. Can't you just see it? Can't you just see the smile breaking out on his face? When he looks to us as his people and he says, they are actively loving. They are encouraging. Not only that, not only making Jesus smile, but if the place, First Congregational Church of Emporia, Kansas, if us as personal believers in Jesus are indeed active encouragers, think about the power of that testimony to people who don't yet know Jesus. Back in the Gospel of John, chapter 13, when John wrote the Gospel, he said this, verse 35, By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Huh. That's how they'll know. Of course, we have to share the truth of the Gospel. We have to share the truth that people need a personal relationship with Jesus. We have to share the truth that that uh, in our own sinful state, we are apart from God, but that in Christ, through his work on the cross, we can be with God forever and ever and ever. So we share that truth, certainly. But what would be, what would catch their eye? What would be that moment of aha for people? What would it be? It would be when we are loving one another, demonstrating to the world that we are Jesus' disciples. The truth about Jesus is true whether we obey it or not. But the truth about Jesus is powerfully reinforced in the minds of those around us if we obey this call to love one another. I don't know if you realize as you cruise through life that we are all kind of constantly on display, whether we see it or not, whether we know it or not, we're all kind of on display. I had a pastor friend once who was doing a wedding 
and he had this wireless mic strapped to him, but he forgot to turn it off at a key point in the ceremony, and he was kind of kidding with the bride and groom to kind of get them to relax a little bit before things, you know, kind of got to the big momentous events of the ceremony. And he, he, he said to his uh, friend, this pastor, my friend, said to his friend who was getting married, the groom, he said, take this ring and stick it up her nose, right? He thought that was funny for those two people, but he didn't realize that everybody at the wedding heard him because he was on display. You and I, you and I, we need to be conscious that we are always on display. And people want to know how real this Christianity stuff is. We show that it's real by loving one another. Pick some one person that you're going to make the target of your encouragement no matter what. Pray with me. Father, we thank you today for this word, this admonition from John to be people of encouragement. Lord, as a demonstration of our love for one another, which is a powerful testimony to our love for you. Father, make us those people. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.